the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and there's no place like home. Lucy, I'm home. Oh, yes, there's court. And there's the opening bell. What are we talking about today, Katie? Well. What's all that stuff about home? We're going to talk about home. We're going to talk about mortgages. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about more than just mortgages. We're uh, going to talk about living. We're going to talk about where you're going to live. It's yeah. part of your life. You, everybody has to have a roof over their head, right? So, yes, they have to live somewhere and it costs something. So we're continuing our debt series. Absolutely. And we're going to make this one a two-part one because there's a lot to talk about when you're trying to figure out where you're going to live and how you're going to pay for it. There, There is a lot to discuss. Yeah. So, but, you know, let, let's start out with some fun. What's our top five going to be this week? This week, Katie, our top five is... The top five iconic houses in pop culture. Ah, yes. Okay, my number five would be this wonderful place in San Francisco. I can hear the music in the background. Jump around, jump around. Yes. You know, party animals around, kids, mm-hmm. all the stuff. Absolutely. Of course, I'm talking about Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, man, I thought you were going with House Party. Okay, <sighs> no, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, so that great house that you see in the movie is actually real. It's in San Francisco. It's a Victorian house. Um, I, I mean... I, I would just love to go there and would hope that by some miracle, Robin Williams would actually still be hiding out there. And that really would be quite the in. miracle. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it would just be great. <laughs> okay, my number four, another San Francisco house. You're into San Francisco. Apparently. I am. Iconic red door. Absolutely. I think I see Uncle Jesse driving the car right oh, in front of it. Uncle Jesse. Full house. Okay. Yes, I think that uh, any friend I've ever had that goes to San Francisco, you always see that Instagram photo with a full house house right behind them. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you, it has that great park right in front of it where you could sit and like picnic and have a picture of yourself in front of the red door. Yeah. But I mean, the phrase they always say on that show, it's always open. Pretty sure the current owners probably would not agree with that. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a house in Memphis, side note. There's a house in Memphis where the firm was filmed. Yeah. Tom Cruise movie. Uh-huh. Uh, that house was in my parents' neighborhood the people that bought it after that movie was filmed completely redid the outside because they got tired of people oh, coming yeah. by and that taking pictures hard. in front of it. So you cannot, you 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 will not be able to find the, the the house from the firm if you are in Memphis. If you own an iconic house, you have to know that you're going to get fans. You're going to get people to take pictures, and Absolutely. you just you either embrace it or you have to change it completely. So what's another iconic house where people might so, want to take pictures? Yeah, my number three would be Home Alone. Absolutely. It's in Chicago. What did that man do? Exactly. That house is huge. He took the entire extended family on these trips. Like, come on. It was massive. How was he affording that? I don't know. Some some underground deals. I'm pretty sure there was (laughs) drugs involved. Number two. uh, This one is actually in New York. So I'm moving away from Chicago, San Francisco. Uh, It is the Money Pit. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. uh, Shelley Long, Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks. Yeah, and I know. it's just a gorgeous looking house. But if you, if you know this movie, then they buy it and they know there's the little things they want to fix up and it's just a ripple effect. Everything starts falling apart and it, the contractors keep saying two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. But that it is a great house. Hopefully the owners who have it now, it is not a money pit and it's not constantly falling apart on them. So it's a real house. Yeah, it's, it's real. Yeah. It's in uh, New York. I hope. Okay, I hope my number sake. one is kind of a two-parter. Okay. And, um, you know what? This this is a special place in my heart. You're cheating. I know. Sorry. Okay. Salem, Massachusetts. Yes, of course. Because one Salem. of my favorite, absolute favorite movies. Yes. Hocus Pocus. Uh-huh. And uh, you can actually go visit Allison's house mm-hmm. and Max's house. Okay. 
So, and you know, maybe if you stay around long enough, you might actually get to meet the Sanderson sisters. Oh, we can only hope. (laughs) I would hope so. Meeting Robin Williams on the front end and the Sanderson sisters on the back end. Absolutely. I have big dreams, people. Okay. That's what it is. (laughs) But let's hear about your five. My five are uh, my five are are are, are great houses. I, 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 my my number five, I threw it on here because I just want to own this house. It's Tony Stark's house. From, oh, from, yes. Yeah, I mean from Iron Man, and I think he had it up until Iron Man. Until it like blew three. up or something. Yeah. Uh, was it three where they blew it up? Yeah. That house with that thing that juts out over the cliff overlooking the ocean are you kidding me of course i want to live there i want to live there all of the time and so yeah i mean and of course loaded with all of his toys right well yeah i mean preferably but i mean seriously can you imagine just living with that view and pepper pots well that's another view that i wouldn't (laughs) mind living with um number four adam's family the adam's family yep Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam's family. uh, I remember the opening to this. I'm not sure if they ever showed the outside of the house except for in the opening. But boy, the opening credits of that of that TV show and that house. And then, of course, the movie as well. Uh, The house is 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 iconic. I and, you know, it it, it goes down is one of the ones that I always think of when I think of like TV houses. My number three. I'm throwing in Downton Abbey here. I figure if it's a house that has an entire TV show named after it, then it must be good enough to go on my top five list. Plus, I wanted to have at least one giant, huge mansion, castle-type place, and Downton Abbey would 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 cover that bill, so it would fit Absolutely. that bill. <laughs> uh, number two. Okay. We're doing iconic pop culture houses this week. Uh-huh. Uh, this could be an iconic pop culture house. It could also be an iconic, real scary haunted house. Uh, but for for my purposes, we're going with the 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 movie version in Amityville Horror. Oh yes, those those you're quarter, coming to my spooky side, Court. I yeah, love it. <laughs> those quarter window eyes on that house, man. That whose 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 memory is that not burned into? And my number one, personally, the thing that the the house that I think of whenever somebody says anything about a house, I think about that house up on the hill overlooking the Bates Motel. Of course, I'm talking about the house from Psycho. Ah, yes. I I think it's iconic. It was funny. I had to, you know, I always do a little Googling just to see what other people think. And Bates Motel House, Psycho House, was not on a lot of the, like, major lists. It was... Uh, it, it was out there a couple of times, but it wasn't as, as popular as I would have thought it would have been because I I mean that's that's one of the first ones that I think of. But oh well, there's my number one psycho. Very cool. Okay, so we're talking about houses where you live, and it really starts out with how we did with the cars. Is this is something that you everyone needs somewhere to live. And no matter if you are buying, renting, lucky enough to stay with somebody else, there is a price that comes with living. Yeah. So you, I mean, if you think about it, everybody has their dream house. Everybody has that that house that they'd love to live in. Hell, I mean, I, I, we just talked about the fact that I'd like to live in in Tony Stark's house. Um, that, but you can't always necessarily afford your dream house. So you have to make a practical decision. Mm-hmm. You have to determine. 
am I gonna am I gonna live in a house? Am I gonna live in an apartment? And where 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 am I working? What am I doing? So there are there are, there are steps that go into this process of deciding where you're gonna live and what you're gonna live in. And it's a big deal. I mean, you think about like your big milestones in your life, and it's usually you know where you go to college or what you choose to do after high school, and um, you know maybe those first big purchases of a car or something like that, but it's really, it's that first home and, and really every home after that, that is such a huge financial step and something that a lot of people dread, a lot of people get excited about, but it, it's, it's a good debt in the sense that if you make the right decision on where you're going to live, it's something that most everybody will come around and have to make this decision. I mean, you know, it's, it is a debt we are doing the debt series, buying a house, unless you just have a couple of mil sitting in the bank that you can just, you know, toss a few hundy uh, toward a house <laughs> that you want. Unless, unless you really are in a very, very fortunate position, you're probably going to go into debt to get, to get a house. You're going to, but, and so that's why we're fitting this into our debt series. But at the same time, this is an expense you're going to have regardless. Everybody has to live somewhere. Yeah. You gotta, and most places where you live, unless you live on a commune, you gotta pay to live there. So everybody is going to have this expense, this living expense of having a roof over their head. So yes, it is a debt, but it's also, you know, it, it it's, it's an expense. It's something that you're going to have to pay. So make it work for you. Right? Yeah. Everyone wants to live that American dream. They they want to have that house. They want to, you know, move out of their parents' house or move out of the apartment or whatever it may be. But it's like with the car. Okay, let's think about it. We're, you know, we decide we want a house. What is its function? Is it just you? Or do you have a dog so you need a yard? Mm-hmm. Do you have a family that's going to maybe be growing? Is it younger kids? What is the purpose? You've got to ask yourself these questions. Do you want to live in a busy city? Do you want to live close to work? So you don't have to deal with having a car that's piling up with miles and and gas and all of that. that stuff, yeah. Um, Are you one of those that wants to have tons of land? And because you want to... On your weekends, start farming or growing things. I don't know what you want or to do. Or raking have cows. leaves. Let me tell you, that's all you do when you have a bunch of trees <laughs> is rake leaves year round. So, you know, that's got to be part of the consideration as well. Yeah. Doesn't and, have trees. And I think there's <laughs> there's steps with houses and with where you live. And most, pe- most average people, I would think, you know, they go from living in their parents' house mm-hmm. and... They, you know, go maybe to, go to college. Maybe go to college, and more than likely, they're you know staying on campus, or they've rented an apartment, living in an apartment, um, maybe rent, maybe a staying house. at the sorority or fraternity house. Yeah, it could be. And then they come wherever their job going to be, and, and you know it may be temporary, so they have a temporary place to live. And then a lot of times, I hear you hear the term uh, starter home. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I mean, remember I, my starter home. Yeah, I I know that when I moved back to Memphis after college and uh, got my first big girl job, then I bought a house and it was a huge step for me, but it was a great home for me. But then when I got married, it's like, okay, wait, let's think about the future. This is, this would be okay for us. But by that point, I'd already made every inch of it mine and Mm -hmm. I didn't want to share. So the the best compromise was get something else. Start a new one. Start a new one. (laughs) But that's the thing is, is you've got to be honest with yourself and ask the questions of what do you actually need we're not talking about wants at this moment. Right. What do you need? Okay. 
how many bathrooms do you need? Mm -hmm. And think about the needs on the emotional and mental part of it as well. Because if you are a family of four and you have one bathroom, that could be tough. Yeah, that could be tough. (laughs) Listen, I, I, I had a, I had an absolute dilemma the other day when I was, when I was watching Gilmore Girls because I was watching it on Netflix. You love your Gilmore Girls. I do, but I was, I, it's, it's a show that I watch with my wife and one of my daughters. So it's it's a thing. Anyway, (laughs) I was absolutely freaking out because I was like, where is Rory's bathroom? I don't know if you remember Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Rory had a a bedroom right off of the kitchen. I'm like, where the heck is her bathroom? So, you know, presumably she had a bathroom. I don't know. Maybe she went upstairs and just shared Lorelai's bathroom. But imagine that's just two people. And it was critical to me to figure out, you know, she she must have a bathroom on the... Imagine if it was four people or five people. What are you going to do about guests if they are there and they need to go to the bathroom? Yeah. There was a bathroom on that ground floor, I found out. It was just, it it, it was never really shown in the TV show, uh, but... Are you on one of those, like, blogs that, like, tells you all the inside information about a show? I had, I actually, <laughs> my my wife purchased my daughter a blueprint of Lorelai's house. And I oh, looked at the gotcha. blueprint because I wanted to know where the bathroom was. And there is a bathroom on the ground floor. Yeah. Well, and like right now there's the epidemic with all, I guess, I don't know, epidemic, but there's all these tiny houses. Oh, man, I love those. Uh-uh. I want my own tiny house. That freaks me out. Oh, Atlanta, I want Where does your stuff go? I mean, I get it. For some people, it's great because it's super efficient and you've got everything kind of compacted together nicely, but uh uh-uh. If I, I could maybe live there by myself for like a weekend. Absolutely. But with other people, no way. Well, no, I ain't sharing this space or nothing. But as a, as like a refuge for me to go and hide, yeah, I want a tiny house. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got your needs and then you've got your wants of you. I think everybody talks about how I really wanted this in my next house. But you have to compromise because reality hits. Mm. But you may want things and you can able to find it. Like you want to have a separate laundry room. You want to have a large garage for you to work on your projects. And you've. Figure out justifying, okay, is it worth it to spend extra money to get a four-car garage for you to just tinker around with things? Or is that possibly a budding business making, I'm bringing them back, court cornhole boards. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Full I circle, forgot buddy. about cornhole boards. Because <laughs> a side note with this, it's, I hope you guys realize so much of these episodes, it all ends up being full circle. It comes back to... Your budget. It does. To understanding your expenses. To understanding everything and making sure it all nicely fits into this big old puzzle. Like I think about Men in Black, how one of the things it talks about, we're just a marble and, you know, some other big aliens holding our marble. So it's every, I know that's kind of weird. (laughs) You lost your marbles there, Katie. (laughs) So I lost my marbles. But it's like everything fits together and it's all component matching together and you can't just isolate on one little thing you've got to look at how this house how this expense fits into your entire overall picture okay so what 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 decisions have we made so far when you're when you're talking about a living expense you gotta you gotta first decide okay do i want a house or do i want an apartment Mm -hmm. if i want a house um, I mean, apartments are great for some people, especially like if you don't have a choice, if you want to live in New York City, you're, you're going to live in an apartment. Yeah. But, and, and condos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Not so, having the yards. Yeah. I mean, listen, believe me, I would love to not ever have to take care of a yard again. As long as I live, I, that would be, that would be a bucket list thing for me. So, uh, are you going to live in a house or are you going to live in an apartment? Okay. Let's say you choose house. 
are you going to rent or are you going to buy? Okay. Mm -hmm. If you're going to rent or buy, regardless, what kind of house do you need? So we're at the step where you're, we've, we've talked about, do you have, do you have multiple children? Do you need, so you need a bedroom Are you for planning yourself? on growing in your family? Yeah. Are you just married? You buy in your first house, you and your, your spouse are planning on having children. Why would you buy a house that's only got one bedroom if you're going to be having children and you know you're going to need a place to, to, to store them? I've heard you need to store the children somewhere. <laughs> Is that, is that, <laughs> they, you know, they have little buckets. You just put them in at the end of the night and then you pull them out when you're ready to see them again. So, you know, you got to think about, are you, are you, is your family maxed out? My family, for instance, maxed out. As a matter of fact, I'm losing kids left and right. They're moving out on me. So uh, if anything, if I, if I'm losing, meaning that he's getting rid of them, sending yes. them off. Not like, well, not I mean, like he I'm just dropped them off at the pound and said here. rid of them, but I, they are, they are growing up and moving out. So if anything, I'm looking at moving into smaller places rather than, moving into bigger places. I'm not expanding. I'm, I'm contracting. But where, where are you at that point in your life? Do you, are, do you have a lot of family that lives in another city? Will they be coming to visit? Will you need a place for them to stay if they come and visit? Do you need a guest room? Do you mm -hmm. need, do you like to uh, entertain people? Do you yeah. like to have uh, Sunday, Sunday football parties or Super Bowl parties or uh, Oscar parties or whatever? Yeah, it do goes you, back to your priorities yeah. and what's important to you. You might need a big giant dining room just so you can set out that buffet. You might need a kitchen. You know what? Everybody always ends up congregating in the kitchen at my parties. Yeah. You might need that extra closet on that second floor to hold all your costumes. You, you might, <laughs> although that's a really strange one that not, not many people need a, a whole spare closet just for their costumes, Katie. That's just you. Well, okay. It's just you. But I mean, that's, you also, we're asking these questions, <laughs> but we also understand that life happens. And I'm reminded of, they remade this movie, but I'm thinking of the original. It's yours, mine, and ours. It was Lucille Ball, and I cannot remember the husband's name in it, huh. but uh, she had a large family. He had a large family. They went on a date. They decided to lie to each other about the number of kids they had. Hmm. And it ended up being like, I think, a dozen kids. And they decided to move into this house. And, I mean, this was back in 70s, 80s. It's an older movie, but great. And uh, they only had a couple of bathrooms. And so they literally had to create schedules for who would go in the bathroom and who had to shower and all of these things. And it was color coded because the dad was in the Navy. So it was very much of a drill. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I, I have not seen the version that you're talking You've about. You've probably seen the Steve, Steve Martin. I've seen the Dennis Quaid. Oh yeah, Dennis Quaid. That's Dennis right. Quaid yeah, Dennis, version. Yeah. yeah. And of course, Steve Martin would have been cheaper by the dozen. Cheaper by the dozen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That was another big family in a house and blah, blah, blah. But you know, these things, these things, that they, was a blending of a family, yeah. and so they obviously weren't expecting to fall in love with someone who had a whole bunch of kids of their own. Yeah. So we understand life happens, but we're talking about, you know, look at how you are right now, and let's move to the decision. You know what you want. You know what's important. Let's talk about buying versus renting. Okay. Yeah, so we know it costs money wherever you're going to live, and we are not all as fortunate as Carrie Bradshaw, who had a rent-controlled apartment in New York City that was absolutely fabulous. For Rachel and Monica, do you believe that uh, that apartment yeah, exactly. was ridiculous? Exactly. So you know, TV has lied to us. But let's talk about the difference of renting and buying. And you know, with renting, it's great, especially when you think about college. You know, you're at college for four years, mm -hmm. but who really puts down their roots and buys a house 
to go to college. So first thing to consider if you're if you're trying to decide whether you're going to rent or buy is probably how long are you going to be there. Yeah, that's that's probably your 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 first consideration. How long are you? Well, I guess your first consideration is are there things available where you want to live that are available to purchase? Because that might eliminate all of your choices right there. If, if, if it's again, I hate to go back to Manhattan, but if you want to live in Manhattan, you're going to be renting. But let's assume that you have the, uh, the ability to purchase wherever it is you want to live. Then the next question is how long are you going to be there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that a lot of people, You've got two sides of it because I actually have a very good friend who's been renting for about 16 years and she just now took the leap over to home ownership. I didn't realize it had been that long. 16 yeah. years. And wow. um, she she loved it in the fact that she, the reason she had to leave is because her rent went up. And that's the thing with renting is mm-hmm. it's great for one of those that you've got a landlord you can call to fix the repairs. You're not having to deal with the quote unquote homeowner issues. Yeah. And oh yeah, the, yeah. I mean that, that that's 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 a super big part of the consideration. It's is, a big part. She was a single girl living by herself, and it was one that was perfect for her. If her air then, conditioning went out, she just called her landlord and said, "Hey, yeah, come fix it." And a lot of people like look at renting as you're throwing away money, and that's where you have to kind of look at the whole picture because it works for her, but now the rent is not controlled anymore. It's mm-hmm. costing more. So she had to make the hard step to move over to having a home. And now she's dealing with some of the reality we all experience of that first year having a home. And you feel like, oh my gosh, what do you mean I can't call somebody to come fix this yeah. stuff? But we we are big proponents here at Pickler Wealth Advisors, Bullcast podcast group, that buying is good. We think it's one of those, if it fits in your budget, that's something you should do because it gives you that sense of belonging to a community, that pride of ownership. And it is, you can control more the cost in the sense that you know what you got to pay. Yeah, your mortgage is not going to change. Your, mor- your rent might go up, but your mortgage, well, well if you do it right, <laughs> your mortgage is not going to change. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I jumped the gun there. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that more in the next episode. Yeah. So, you know, okay, we're we're looking at, we've assessed our finances. We've kind of gotten an idea of what we think we can afford. We're trying Y'all to have decide. done, everybody's listening has done their budget, right? You know what you're, you're, you're budgeted for, uh, for your monthly living expense in terms of your actual house, right? Go pull Everybody it out of your handy that. dandy notebook in the corner. <laughs> but, handy dandy notebook. Yes. Man, we're calling back to Blue's Clues. That is some crazy Thank stuff. Thank you. <laughs> So, can you financially afford to buy? Boom. That is the question of the century. Because most people, that's what they get scared about. I don't think I can afford to buy. Because you don't have that checkbook that you can write out a million dollars and pay for this. Right. And we're going to tell, tell you through this one and the next one how we can make that happen. So, okay. you know, Back in the day, people had land. And when you wanted a house, you got the crew together and you had a barn raising, a house raising. <laughs> and everybody brought their hammers and built your house. You know, you you hoped everybody knew what they were doing, but I, I mean, I think I think it was just I think it was born into you back in back in the day. You know, you you just you 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 were born with a with a, a hammer and a nail, and you you would go to the barn raisings, and that's what everybody did. I don't think you had to learn it. I think it was just instinct. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. I wasn't there. <laughs> So in most cases, we're saying you, you can't pay for a house outright, and we don't want you to if that you're taking cash away from what you may need for 
emergency for regular things. I think that's an important point. I mean, listen, one of the th- one of the points that we're we're talking about here is mortgage and the fact that, you know, if you if you want to for instance, if your starter home is going to be a $200,000 home, let's say, you might have if you're fortunate, you might have $200,000 that you've uh, accumulated over the course of your life. You could you could have that much money. But do you really want to take your $200,000 that you probably have invested that may be growing, do you want to take that and lock it all up in what is definitely an illiquid asset, you know? Yeah, because you can't chop off a part of your house to go pay for a new washing machine or to pay for medical bills. It doesn't work that way. Right. So instead of taking your life savings and tying it up in, in, you know, if, if... you could tie it up all in just owning this $200,000 house. You have $200,000 over here. You could take it out over here and put it into this house. But then all of your money is tied up in this house. Or you could use other people's money. Mm-hmm. To- and that's what we're talking about. Other people's money yeah. and mortgage. So I'm sure a lot of people know what it is. But just to cover our bases, a mortgage is a loan. It's made possible to buy real estate. And a lender fronts you the money that you need to make the purchase, and the creditor pays that money back plus interest in installments. And, you know, today's world, it's usually a 15 to 30-year mortgage. So uh, that's, in in a nutshell, that is the basic of what a mortgage is. But the thing is, the mortgage has come a long way from what we know now there's been some crazy stuff that's happened in the past that's brought us to what we deal with today mm-hmm. and all the elements that go into actually getting a mortgage of the pre-approval, looking at your job and how much income you've got coming in, checking your credit score, making sure you have that money for a down payment. All of these elements are there for a reason because of past mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yes. We are learning from the past. Well, you know, <laughs> people who don't learn from the past are, are, are doomed to repeat it or something yeah. like that. Is, is that close to what the quote is? <laughs> so, uh, September 15th, 2008. I, I'm, A I, dark day. Well, I think I was at MTSU and, you know, I don't know. I don't know what day it was. Probably, you know, going to class or... Hanging out with football players? I don't know. I was in college, so <laughs> did you, did I didn't... you hang I, out with football players a lot? I did. Wow. I would um, not have guessed but, that. So what were you doing on September 15th? I was probably crying somewhere. Crying tears of tears of sadness. I, I had... In 2008, I had just graduated from law school. I had gone to law school because I thought it was the, the best route for me to make lots of dollars. And uh, I graduated from law school in 2008 and I was struggling to find a job because nobody was hiring because the world was on fire. The world was ending. It was all going to end. It was all going to heck in a handbasket. Yes. Yeah, so what we're talking about is the financial crisis of 2008, the mm-hmm. housing bubble. And I made the reference that I was in college because I was absolutely oblivious to what happened. And it really wasn't until recently that I've done this research and figured out, wow, the Big Short movie is a great movie to watch to really explain this, but we're going to kind of in a nutshell tell you guys what happened. So mortgages started back when commercial banks started. So they've been around for a long time. Sure. And there was a boom with housing after the war because the rise of the suburbs started and builders were building all these kind of cookie cutter houses. There was 
things out there to mass in- economies of scale. Yes, you could buy a big giant piece of land and cut it into smaller pieces of it. land yep. and build a whole bunch of houses at once. And by doing that, you're going to save money because you are. There's a whole lot of things that go into building a house that if you're doing it on a massive scale, then you don't have to do it as much, yep. as many times. And that's when I say economies of scale, that's what I'm talking about is if you have a bigger scale, uh, there are certain expenses that are not going to go up with the number of homes that you're building. And yay, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yep. And so, boom. I mean, Dawn the era of Leave it to Beaver yeah. and, you know, all of that, that American dream, honey, I'm home, the, you know, meatloaf in the oven, the whatever. Uh yeah, so I mean, all of this was going on, and then regulations started getting put into place, mm-hmm. and there was some shady stuff of like trying to discriminate who could get loans and not, and it made this great process of this is what we're going to do, this is the requirements for someone to get a home. Well, then things started changing. We wanted everyone to have the opportunity to get a home, and well, made, getting a home is the American dream. Exactly, you got to live that American dream. Mm-hmm. We don't care if you work. We don't care if you know. You can do whatever you need to do. Like, we're going to give you a house. Because that's what happened is everyone started seeing, hmm, we need, we can profit off of this. Wall Street jumped on board. The builders were on board. Okay, let's uh, just, just to, just to insert myself, because I feel like it's been a few seconds since I talked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we started basically after, after World War II, people came home. Started buying houses, moving out to the suburbs. Yeah, there was encouragement. Uh, We've jumped forward now by a few decades. 1999, 2000, yeah. that's where we okay. are. Okay, All So right. everyone's been embracing. There were some requirements that it was kind of hard to get houses. And then everyone's like, no, but we, we want everyone to have the American dream. We want them to have homes. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, let's, let's take away some of those regulations. Let's take away some of those requirements. And this is what dawned where... You didn't have to show proof of your job and your income. And you were getting these crazy interest rates. And you were starting to get into really shady stuff, essentially, that seemed attractive. And you were talking to someone who just all they wanted was a house for their family. And you had these bankers that were, oh, yeah, of course we can get you in. I don't care that you're only working, you know, one day a month and whatever. (laughs) Maybe we're going to make this work. Because then the bankers were encouraged to give out a lot of loans because Wall Street had jumped on board and was getting some kicks for the number of loans that were put out there, number of mortgages that were written out there. Mm. The builders were getting kicks for the number of houses that were being built. Builders want to build houses. People want to loan money because they, they, they make interest on that money. The housing market was booming, mm-hmm. so everybody thought, "Yeah, we can we can loan you a hundred percent of what the value of your house is because the value of your house is just going to go up. That's all it's been doing." Yeah, I mean, people's the the housing value house house values were just skyrocketing. Everybody was just bathing in money, basically. And People were buying these ridiculous dream homes, like mm-hmm. you know, you would have been convinced to buy the Tony Stark I'm house. Buying Tony Stark's house, baby. <laughs> And banks were competing, and so they didn't want to be the one to say, oh, no, court, I'm not going to give you a loan because I don't think that you can afford to pay this. Well, then Cam's like, come on, court, come over here. I'll give you a loan. So it really was this whole Little did Cameron know I was building Iron Man armor in the basement of my (laughs) home. I'm just saying. 
But so it, it was this whole vicious circle of everybody was trying to feed off each other and it is just fraud. The loans that were given, people were getting in trouble and putting three and four loans on their houses. What we know today of the 20% down payment, the mm. money you put down, they weren't doing that then. It may have been 0%. It may have well, been 5%. Well, you say what we know today. That let's, let's be clear because we really haven't covered what we know today. So th- this entire this entire span of time that we're talking about, it happened in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. There was an act passed by Congress, signed by President, I think Bill Clinton, um, in the late 90s that basically everybody refers to as deregulation. Yes. It was the, there was this whole thing that allowed, uh, th- that removed some of the restrictions from banks, from investment banks, from commercial banks, retail banking, whether it was, you know, residential loans... It, it made it made it a lot easier for banks to to merge and combine and do a whole lot of things that they hadn't been doing before. You get these banks that are all of a sudden you've probably heard the phrase before too big to fail. Yep. Okay. I think that's well, another movie. Yeah, because <laughs> all of these banks started merging and combining into huge huge entities and they had all of this money on the line and it all started with quote unquote deregulation. And so everybody was getting greedy. Well, I mean, you know, so all of a sudden you have these banks that it, it, almost a decade later, not quite a decade later, they're hitting the skids. They are about to die. They're about to fail, but they're too big to fail. If they fail, then everything goes to hell in a handbasket. And everybody's like, oh, it's deregulation. We've got to we've got to start regulating again, because obviously the deregulation was bad. Banks are bad or, you know, the investment people are bad or whatever is bad. Everything was bad. Anything that had to do with money was bad and we were all evil. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just banks. It wasn't just deregulation. It wasn't just politicians. It was consumers. You know, people talk about, oh, consumers were predatory lending. Well, you know what? If you if you if you are going out and buying Tony Stark's house and you're not making enough money to be able to buy Tony Stark's house, you ought to know better. Everybody's hands were dirty. Everybody's Everyone, hands were dirty. That's where like all these mansions started popping up and people knew that they shouldn't be in these things. So everyone was at fault. The whole system almost absolutely exploded. It would have been Armageddon, Doomsday, and it, it just it was we absolutely, the, t- we were so, so close. We were it on was the abyss. Real bad. Edge of the abyss. And I mean, 8 million people lost their jobs during this time. 6 million lost homes. Lehman Brothers fell. All these too big to fail banks were falling. And it just was awful. And that's why I feel so guilty is like, I'm sitting, you know, at MTSU in college. Like, no idea any of this craziness is happening. But the, And your dad was a financial advisor. Yeah. And I mean, so I obviously so, wasn't talking to him about this, <laughs> but this whole philosophy of you. You ought to call dad. <laughs> Girls, call your father. Yes, call your daddies. Um, if you fog a mirror, you got a loan. If you were breathing, you got a loan. And everybody was at fault for this. Mm-hmm. So what did we do? We try and learn from it. People were house poor. That's a term that is kind of a jargon. And I'm going to explain it to you. People spent too much on these houses in the sense that they were buying the Tony Stark house when they should have been buying the, you know, I don't know, the, the little shack around the corner. You've got to make sure that you're getting a house that fits with your budget in a reality of what you're making or really what you anticipate to be making so that you can cover 
the mortgage, you can cover the taxes, you can cover the utilities. Don't buy more house than what you can actually afford. I mean, it's simple. Do not, everyone wants the big dream house, but don't spend, don't get the bigger house if you can't afford it. Again, you know, back to an earlier episode, uh, we said in, in, in one of our episodes, what should the uh, total amount of your income that you put toward your, toward your home debt be? It's 43%. Yep. And, and, and you know, your, your, your debt to income on, on a mortgage, on a house should not be more than 43%. So if you are taking home, listen, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't have my calculator in front of me, so I'm not going <laughs> to do like the math for you. We but, don't have the human calculator David Pickler with yeah, us right now. <laughs> well, yeah, true. I, you know, some of us can't do major numbers in our head like David can. So, but, but I mean, basically 43%. So if, if, you're, if your income is $100 a month, then you shouldn't be spending more than $43 a month on on your your mortgage or on your rent or whatever, you know. Well, and something about it is that I think that what also happened in 08 was a lot of people were going, oh, well, this house is going to appreciate or I'm going to always have my job. And unfortunately, we don't want to be Debbie Downers and obviously always be thinking the worst. But you need to make sure when you're making such a big financial decision that you look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. One of my favorite phrases, hope for the best, plan for the worst. Yeah, you've got to plan for the worst because if, you know, you're booming and you're doing great in your job, you need to always kind of lower it and be like, okay, now what is really stable? Like, what's real? We obviously can't plan if you're going to get laid off or anything that happens like that. But if you're especially like in a commission job, do not go off of your best absolute month. Go off always, of your worst. Yeah, always expect that winter is coming. I mean, harvest your grain. Don't eat it all right now while it's summer. You gotta, you gotta put some away for when winter hits because winter is coming. Yeah. So this all wraps up to, we said all the elements are a part of a mortgage, the credit, the checking your job to, um, you know, making sure you've got that down payment, that it's all part of history. And that's why it's in place. And that getting a mortgage is kind of hard and it's it's strict, but there's a reason for it. You know, it's right now we don't want history to repeat it. We don't want it to repeat. And you know, we're touching on it a little bit. The next episode, we're really gonna break down all the possible elements of picking a loan and making sure you go with the right people. But even right now with 2020, what's going on with the world, this pandemic, they're getting even stricter with it and making sure that they are finding those people that have good income and that do have a good credit score and that can put that money down. It's not that they don't want to make your dreams come true and give you that house. It's that these banks are trying to do their due diligence. They're trying to make sure that they are being good stewards for you and making sure you're not getting put in a bad position because they don't want that blood on their hands. They don't want to be the ones that feel they can't go to sleep at night because they know that they let you court, get a mortgage on Tony Stark's house. Well, I mean, if somebody would let me buy Tony Stark's house, I, I'd, I'd give them a pass if I ended up going bankrupt just, just for even a few days living in Tony Stark's house. But that's bad financial advice, ladies and gentlemen. So that's just me. I'm, I, I would like to be Tony Stark. So we talked about a lot in this one, you know, how history is very much a part of mortgages and where we are today about deciding about renting and buying. So I think it's time to 
Do our bullseye. I think it's time to wrap it up and give them a bullseye. Katie, what is your takeaway for this episode? What is your bullseye? Well, okay, my bullseye. (laughs) (laughs) Buying versus renting, that's the biggest decision, I think, is you've got to be real with yourself. Make a list. I mean, that's my best thing to say. Make a list of what you need and what you would like. Look at your budget. Figure out what you can afford. And make that hard decision of, you know, deciding, are you going to rent? Are you going to buy? No matter how scary it is one way or the other, just figure out what's going to be best for you, your family, and your future, and how long you're going to be there, and what's going to work for you. So that's the important thing. Do your homework. Do your research before you even get to the banks to talk about mortgages. Yeah, you don't just go, I mean, listen, I guess that leads perfectly into my bullseye because the American dream is everybody owns a home, right? Okay, that's great. But the American reality is that to own a home, everybody's got a mortgage. Mm -hmm. Make sure you can afford it, but also make sure that you're living in the right place. Make sure you're living in the right space. You've got a decision to make it's not just about what is your dream house. I mean, you know, I, I, I love Lorelai's house, but Lorelai's house from Gilmore Girls isn't working for me. Even even, <laughs> even now as my kids are leaving, I mean, it's just not, it's, it's in Connecticut. I wouldn't mind trying to live in, anyway, basically you've got, you've got thought that you have to put into it mm-hmm. and it all is going to come back to the fact that you have a debt that you are paying off. And so... Yes, American dream. I, yes, I have bucket lists. I have goals. I want to do all of these things. I want to live in all these places. I want to be Tony Stark. But I also have to pay for it. And that requires some forethought to make sure that I'm using my dollars wisely. Bullseye? Ladies and gentlemen, there is the closing bell. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed what you heard, then please, if you haven't already subscribed, go to your favorite subscription service and subscribe to our podcast. You can leave a comment. We'll be happy to reply. Uh, If you'd like to find out more about me and Katie, you can check out our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can also leave us comments there. Give us some feedback. Give us suggestions for episode topics. We're always looking for those. Um, you can also reach out to us on Twitter. Our handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And if you just want to see some pictures of our beautiful faces, then check us out on Instagram. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. Finally, we've mentioned David this, in, this, in this episode. We've also mentioned Pickler Wealth Advisors. That's where we work in this episode. We mentioned it almost every episode. And if you'd like to find out more about David, you'd like to find out more about Katie, you'd like to find out more about me and about the rest of our amazing team, then you can go to PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with a what, Katie? With an O, not an E. That's correct. PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's with an O, not an E. I feel like I've given you enough to be going on with. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. And we done. We done.